Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. Welcome to episode 146. Mm -hmm. And it is time for Listener Mail. (laughs) Was that your, uh, who's that guy? Vince, uh, the UFC guy. Oh, Uh, yeah. Let's get ready to rumble. (laughs) Yeah. I was actually thinking of the uh, Spanish radio guy. Radio Vida. <laughs> well, you sounded more like Vance. Or yeah, whatever. His name I have is. been taking Eleanor to school, and so we listen to Spanish radio. She just she's so stubborn. I'll put it on Spanish radio. She acts like nothing's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get a rise out of her. She's just like, so yeah. she starts doing that to it, you know, moving her shoulders. Yeah, and, and I start telling her, do you know what they're singing about? And she says no. And so I'm, I am totally <laughs> making up stories on this songs. Well, this guy he fell in love with a chicken. And the chicken left him for a rabbit. And so I'm making this whole thing up. She doesn't buy it, does she? She says, I, I don't think that's what they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder where she gets that stubbornness from. Yeah. Mama and daddy. That's she, she, Yeah. She comes by it really honestly. <laughs> for sure. Okay, so today is viewer mail day. We're going to uh, answer. And we've got a, a bucket of questions. Mm-hmm. Bucket of questions. <laughs> and uh, they're going to be... Kind of bullet point answers. I hope you stick around. I think it's going to be interesting. And um, and then just as a as an update, if you did not listen to last week, next week we will have um, our final Jim and John episode, at least for a season, if not forever. And we're going to talk about kind of why and what we're going to do and how we're going to spend our time and how much we appreciate you. So uh, tune in for episode one forty seven. Mm-hmm. in a week yeah it'll be a good time and for this i'm excited for the amount of questions we got it turns out all we had to do to get listener feedback was say we were shutting the show down <laughs> so uh, who knew yeah uh before we get into it though it is joker story time and you are up this week and i'm begging for a story just uh you're getting a just, story okay good thank goodness you're sick of my jokes uh, just variety you know spice of life hmm. <laughs> yeah but tell a story you're making me want to tell a joke now. <laughs> I want to hear the story. People love stories. Okay, so I'm going to tell you about the 18th hole at Pebble Beach. Uh, I think it was about five years ago. I got to go play Pebble Beach, which is uh, an iconic golf course Sure. Uh, on the um, Monterey Peninsula in California, right on the ocean. Is that where Monterey Jack Cheese comes from? <laughs> I don't know. Don't interrupt me. Okay. <laughs> so uh, so the there's three golf courses there. There's Spanish Bay. Um, Monterey Peninsula and um, Pebble Beach. Mm. Anyway, the 18th hole at Pebble is probably, if not the most, it is one of the most iconic 18th holes, finishing holes in the world. For its difficulty or? Uh, it's it's picturesque beauty. It is a dog leg left right along the ocean. It's Whoa. a par five. It's a very long hole, 550 yards. Wow. And uh, the tee box is on just a grass cliff on the edge of the ocean. So they've got this split rail fence along the back of the tee box. There's a famous picture there of Jack Nicklaus on his last competitive round at Pebble. He's sitting on that split rail fence waiting his turn, and he's looking out over the ocean in this reflective moment. 
and there's a picture of him. It's iconic. So I took wow. a picture of my. I had a guy take a picture of me there with that Doing same the, Jack Nicholas pose. Yeah. And then uh, the 18th hole, the wind was howling. It was in April, and uh, and it was the Sunday after the AT and T Pebble Beach Pro Am. So the oh, wow. bleachers are up everywhere. So you kind of feel like you're on the tour. Yeah. And I crush a driver right down the middle next to this iconic Pebble Beach tree, which is in the middle of the fairway there. Mm-hmm. And I hit right next to that tree. And are you having to angle like way out oh. of the way because of the wind? Or No, the wind is kind of dead in our face. Gotcha. So then I crush a three wood and I, I mean, I crush it, but the wind is howling. So I'm still 125 yards to the hole. Sure. And uh, my, the caddy says, uh, you need to hit this like it's 160. So I hit a 160 shot. I drop it five feet from the hole, Whoa. and I sink the birdie putt. No way. So me and Jack, you know, we're like this, yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's my that's my Pebble Beach. So I, the reason I was thinking about that story is uh, I'm going back to Pebble in March, and mm-hmm. I'm going to take your brother and my buddy Dougal from high school. Uh, we're all three going to go to Pebble and, and play uh, Spanish Bay and Pebble again. Tim's never been there. Dougal's never been there. Wow. It is a bucket list experience. That's going to be awesome. <clears throat> yeah, so really excited about it. If you're like me, I'd be I'm, you know, I'd be tempted to skip the 18th and be like, "You know what? I'm going to hold that memory in a in a jar <laughs> high up on the shelf." Oh, like never play it again. Never play it again. Yeah. Cuz then what if, you know, you get a you hit 7, you yeah. know, you bogey it or whatever. Yeah. I That's know. true, but I always have my birdie story. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. But you can claim that it's not a fluke. And here's the right thing. Now. That tee box cannot be moved further you know like at a lot of golf courses when they have the tour events there yeah they have a whole nother set of tees way back there that the pros play sure i played from where the pros play and got that birdie got that birdie that's pretty sweet it's one of my best golf memories of my life and and it's a i mean it's just stunning the whole almost every hole you're just going wow yeah just so gorgeous sounds like a great caddy too Oh that, yeah, these guys right. do that for a living. That's what that's their whole deal. They, you know, it costs you like 125 bucks around for a caddy. Dang. And uh but man, they can read every green like he says, you put it right here and it'll go in. And Dang. they're right every time. That's it, pretty cool. Yeah, it's really fun. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Shall we dive in? I would love to, yeah. So, and again, these are we asked for these I think 2 weeks ago we announced this episode Something and last like week that. we, you know, reminded you guys and and uh we asked you to deliver. You did, and we're really grateful. So, um, you want to go? You want to start light or heavy, or just mix it all up? Just let's, a mishmash. Let's sprinkle it in. Well, you know, okay. Like, like I said, variety. Okay, let's go light, heavy. All right, light, John. Heavy. Let's uh, let's do this then. Do either of you enjoy a cold beer on a hot day? Yes, and uh, I will say that um, I have had. I bet I average um, a beer a year. Beer a year, a beer a year. Um, if we go on a cruise, I might have two. Sure, not the same day, but like over the week. Yeah. Uh, what I like on a hot day is actually a very ice cold grapefruit juice. Really? When you're done mowing or playing softball oh, or something about this, you get this. They have this brand called Tex Sun T E X S U N, and they're in these little uh, eight ounce cans, and you get those things. I bury them in ice, like nearly frozen. Oh yeah, man. It's the same beer effect. That's one of the reasons I like it is it's yeah, same thing. I don't know what's happened to me recently, but I've started doing uh, – I've talked about this a few times, but doing hot coffee on a hot day. 
I don't know if it's like yeah. if it's just me leaning into the pain of it all or or. What, I hear but. African missionaries say that that actually cools you down. Really? I don't know if I believe it. It's something about it's a cowboy thing to me. It's like oh, you know yeah. I don't do it to be a cowboy, but, but I yeah, saw you that. Do. No, I don't. Hold, listen up, listen up. Lonesome Dove. No, I saw him do it, and I read about it in Lonesome <laughs> Dove, and I was like, you know, this summer I'll give it a shot, and it just fits. You you feel. Like a cowboy. You feel cozy in a way. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. What about a nice glass of wine with dinner? Uh, Not a wine guy. Me either. No. Uh, what's your ideal date night? You go first. Um, you've, been, you've been at this longer than me. Okay. Ideal date night for me is uh, spending the whole day at the beach, watch the sun go down over the beach, have some Mexican food, and uh, sit by fire. Nice. Yeah. What about you? One of my favorites, fire's hard to beat. I didn't think about the fire. One of my favorites is going to the Barnes Noble Cafe. And they're open late, open later than basically any coffee shop in town. And so you go there and you each go pick out a book. If you want to be fun, which, you know, we're not, I guess. <laughs> but you can go uh, get a book for the other person. He said, I'm going to get a book for you. You get a book for me. Mm-hmm. But generally, me and Lindsay just grab our own stuff. Yep. And you get, uh, we share a treat and I'll get a black coffee with the treat. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we hang out there. So that would be like after after a dinner. That wouldn't be the whole day normally. But that's one of my like favorite small, you know, life's simple pleasures. I, I think you might have learned that from us because that's one of Sue's things. And so when we lived in Denver, mm-hmm. we would frequently go for a date at a at the Tattered Cover Bookstore, and they have a coffee shop in there. We would we would each go through the bookstore. We would grab three or four books each, and get our coffee, sit down. Most of the time, we wouldn't even crack the books. We would just sit there and talk. Sure. But if we did, we would actually dog ear the page where we, the book at, <laughs> hide it back in the shelf so we could pick it up where we left off next yeah. week without buying the book. Now I'm wondering if I'm a bad date because I'm like, I'm there to read. <laughs> I don't do too much talking. But. Hey, John, who are some popular preachers that you steer clear of? I steer clear of? Yeah, you don't, you don't, you just don't, don't care to listen to them. Uh, the hits, you know, Benny Hinn, you know, uh, um, uh, prosperity guys what's uh uh joel osteen mm-hmm. there's another guy who he was on the news recently because he was getting in his plane and the news anchor was like pulled up as he's getting in his plane he's like hey why do you have a plane and he starts talking about that i forget his name but i didn't see that yeah you would reckon i mean i'm blanking on his name only because i my memory's uh not good but yeah uh i don't know i don't have a ton I try to, as a practice, give people the benefit of a doubt. So there's, there's, it's a short list of people that I that I hear the name and I go, I, and I raise my nose up. Yeah, know? for me, it's just prosperity guys. Yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah. It's a, it's not a long list. What about uh, your favorite preachers that you like to listen to that are still alive? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I talked about this when we started doing our workbook on the uh, lessons of, from the saints, mm-hmm. which uh, I've famously didn't remember the name of in my video on my, my episode on lessons from the saints. Um, famous, famously to me and one other guy who gave me crap for it the next day. But, uh, I don't have a, I don't listen to a ton of preachers. So I, most of my, my theological reading and scriptural reading mm-hmm. and my, you know, things like that. So, uh, again, another short list, it's Tim Keller. Um, uh, ba- I mean, that's the only one that comes to mind. I like Francis Chan. Again, it's, I'm, I'm really, really basic. It's like me saying my favorite movies, like, you know, yeah. The Matrix or something. Like, it's, right. you know. Yeah, for me, it's Tim Keller, and it's uh, probably um, the guy out in Dallas uh, at Gateway Church. Um, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name, but that guy. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'll throw, uh, we only read one of his books so far. I've only read one of his books, but uh, uh, Maxie Dunham. Yeah. 
uh, who wrote the. Uh, and I've Hudson never heard Saints. him. I've never heard him speak, but yeah. I did some research on him today. Actually, just had some time to kill. Yeah, and uh, quite a dude. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one more, my deep cut. We did an episode on his book. Th- these are books, not uh, so he's not a preacher. He's a, just a scholar. Uh, but Jonathan Lund, who wrote uh, the. Uh, <laughs> We're terrible at this actual remembering the names, but it's the uh, following Jesus, the servant king. I think uh, it's the the book on oh, yeah. um, covenantal theology yeah. that we did an episode on, and that book is is a big deal for me personally. Nice, so, yeah, uh, John. How um, what has been important for you as a son from your dad? Uh, a lot. Primarily, it's hard. It's tough. It's like. You know, it's it's lame to just say the relationship, mm-hmm. right? But um, you have you had a, a great friendship with your dad, and I feel like I have a great friendship with you. Um, it's been in the you know when my faith was like less developed, uh, I had kind of a proxy faith. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I trust my dad, and he has this strong faith, so I'll go ahead and at least you know <clears throat> use that as a foothold for now. Yeah, you know when I when I'd be struggling. Um, so that's less of it now. And now it's more um, f- having fun being able to talk to you about stuff like this because you actually enjoy it the same way I do. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, largely just the the relationship and the like mindedness. Sometimes I forget what it was. We were in a meeting. I was in a meeting and I said something and they were like, you sounded just like your dad. So sometimes I think we spend too much time together. Yeah, probably so. But uh, uh, but yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, similar question from the same listener. Um, Jim, how has your understanding of fatherhood changed over time? And um, that's a great question. I would say I've been thinking a lot about the idea of indoctrination. And it's such a negative word that, you know, we indoctrination just sounds sure. horrible. But uh, one of my regrets as a dad is that I did not indoctrinate enough. Hmm. Uh, that is to help my kids understand some fundamental, powerful, foundational truths that guide your whole life, deeply held beliefs. Yeah. Um, but we do indoctrinate all the time. Like, you know, we teach our children that telling the truth is an important concept and that everyone should do it. And that's a doctrine. It's a doctrine of truth telling. Um, so it's, it, I think it's a bad word, but I, I, I wish I had done more of that. Uh, but I really love the idea that, um, like, if you have an L graph and, and the bottom is zero, zero, right? Yeah. And the, the low bar is age of the kid. And the high bar is autonomy of the kid. And so uh, you have at, you know, when you're a baby, you have no autonomy. Right. Your parents control everything. And how that graph needs to keep going up and to the right as you age. And I loved, absolutely loved the transition from um, controlling dad to uh, coaching friend. Sure. So uh, you feel more comfortable there, you think? I feel or? more comfortable in the coaching friend. And I did not do well enough at the controlling dad. I wish I had. Um, I wish I had not concerned myself with being liked by my kids. Mm. Uh, you can like me later, and I did catch on to that finally. Um, but I'd say maybe that. I do think. I think. Um, so here's this thing. Okay, uh, high school seniors that we meet at my house, right? Sure. This uh, this group I currently have twenty one seniors last night. And they, that's huge. That's huge. And they're having a blast. And and they seem to be um, really comfortable, a lot of them, in their own skin. And there's a question I've asked for 12 years in these senior groups, uh, every group. And yeah. that is, 
how many of you have a relationship with your dad that you really like? And typically, one or two hands will go in the air. In this group, only one hand did not go in the air. That's crazy. And you talk about you can feel the difference in the group. Sure. So uh, dads are super mega important, certainly not more important than moms, but very important. Mm-hmm. And we have dropped the ball. When it's You probably feel the importance more because there are more fatherless people than motherless people. Yes. So uh, maybe it's just more pronounced. That's a good way, that way to describe that. But yeah. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite ice cream, John? Oh, that's tough. Uh, it's so funny. One of my, uh, for me, what encapsulates this thing of early adolescence growing up is realizing just the, how something's that because of how it was in your house, you you accepted that and it didn't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So I thought mint chocolate chip ice cream was a women's ice cream. I thought only ladies <laughs> like that because my sister and my mom did, and you hated it or didn't eat it. I didn't hate it. Right. I actually like it more now, and I loved it. So I was like, I guess I like this chick's ice cream. Oh, yeah. And you never even said this. You never called it a chick's ice that's cream. That's really funny, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, it took me a while to grow up and go, oh, that's just a, it's just ice cream. Yeah. Like, yeah. anybody can like that So is cream. that your answer? The it's, chick, uh, well, the, chocolate, the, the chocolate chip? It's close. It's a tie because the dude's ice cream was yours and that was, you know, Rocky Road. It's <laughs> yeah. got a manly name. It's yeah. got nuts in it. Yeah. You know? Rocky Road. Yeah. And I, I do love Rocky Road. There's uh, this Ben and Jerry's. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I got an actual tie. There's this Ben and Jerry's like chocolate fudge thing that's just insane. Mm-hmm. Well, another one of our date things is we'll go, instead of going out to get dessert, we'll go to the Safeway or the grocery store and get little like a uh, personal size yeah. Yeah. ice cream things and take them home and watch a movie at home. And so uh, we'll either get two of those or two of these Haagen-Dazs coffee ice cream. But you have to have the same ice cream. We generally do. It's just fun. Interesting. Yeah. And the Haagen-Dazs coffee ice cream has got no chunks in it, which normally I, I do love yeah. textured ice cream, but this is like the smoothest Wow. It's so tasty. So that one might take the absolute top, but it's it's close. Okay. How about that you? was the longest answer in the world to what's your favorite ice cream. Mine is well, I Rock, taught you something, didn't I? Rocky Road or Pralines and Cream from Baskin Robbins. Uh, pecan Pralines and Cream. No, it's very, very, very Tell good. me what lesson you learned in your life from these ice creams. No, I don't need to. <laughs> uh, John, do you speak in tongues no. openly or privately? No. Okay. Uh, I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I do privately. Sure. Uh, I believe that openly should be for the purpose of interpretation when prompted by God for that. So I, uh, it's almost never for me openly. Yeah. And I don't have judgment calls to make on that. I just don't have the – I have not been yeah. graced with the ability. Should women be allowed to preach, John? Uh, Sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Uh, sure. Like everywhere. I mean – Would you attend a church with a woman pastor, lead pastor? Uh. I'd have to leave Evergreen first. I don't see that happening. So, what if Evergreen has my successor is a is a woman? Yeah, stick around. Yeah, yeah. So would I. Uh, yeah. So we don't have any issue with women preachers. None. No issue. John, what's your dream job? Um, man, I used to have a lot more dreams than I do now. I think I got very happy, and I don't have as much uh, burning <laughs> desires anymore. Uh, but probably writing books. It'd be writing books and. Uh, uh, the dream about that is because right now my life is very peaceful and that would be, I'd have more freedom in that mm-hmm. as far as when and uh, when and where I could travel. Yeah. Things like that. So, uh, uh, writing, writing's the, yeah. Yeah. I would say I can answer this for you. You live in a cabin out on some property <laughs> and you write books for a living. You make a good wage and you never have to leave that cabin unless you choose to. Yeah. You feel guilty about this dream, but it is the dream. But that, what I'm saying is that I felt this dream burning in me a lot more when yeah. I really didn't like my job. 
I and see. now I'm I'm very at peace with my job. I love yeah. my coworkers. Yeah. I feel general small stress. Yeah. And I uh so I don't think about it very I don't daydream about that like the way I used to. Right. How about you? Uh, I'm living it. Yeah. Yeah. Um how many hours a week do you play video games, John? Uh less and less. I started playing more um small increment games like yeah. Tetris, you know, okay. play a few rounds yeah. of Tetris yeah. and give it a break. Man. If it's if it's an average of a week, it might just be two hours. Oh, I waste did, time in a lot of creative ways. It's not all video <laughs> games. Did you do Wordle today? I did. Yeah, I totally forgot the last couple of days. Oh, I got a streak of twenty two going, man. I'm wow. Normally, because I stay up so late, it'll be twelve oh three, and I'll be like, oh, new Wordle. So I'll play it. I'll play it in the night before I go to bed. I gotta think of that. Um, this listener wants to ask both of us to answer this question: How has living and working in Olympia changed you? Uh, I've been here. Since before I was working, my first job was here. Yeah. You were a freshman so, in high school. Yeah. Um, it's probably changed me in ways that I don't really know. Cause that's like alternate timeline stuff, you know, like, Oh, what if, what would John look like if we had stayed in Denver? That kind of thing. Oh, I see. So it's really hard to, uh, kind of play that guessing game. I imagine. I think more of ways you thought before you got here and ways you think now. Yeah. But it's tough to separate that from ways I thought from when just I was 15 right. and ways that I think when I'm 26. Right. So um, I don't really know a great way to answer that. I know I love this place. Uh, I wonder if I'm more, if I'm more moderate. I, I wonder if alternate universe John is a lot more staunchly conservative. You know, if we had stayed mm-hmm. in some conservative community, some mm-hmm. insular community, mm-hmm. and here, you know, your only option is to in, is to insulate like crazy, right. or kind of be at the throes of of a pretty liberal state. So those kinds of ways, I wonder how my thinking's changed. But mm-hmm. I don't really know. You you were a, a developed adult when you got here, so how do you answer that? Well, it's changed me quite a bit. I would say um, much more appreciation for natural beauty. I love sure. I, I love the the trees, the ocean, the the weather, the climate. Um, I have um, I think I have um, evolved into a more holistic thinker. So uh, I know this is true because when I go back to the Midwest and sit around a table with a bunch of preachers. Uh, my jaw hits the table at the way they talk mm. and I can't even resonate with it. I don't like it. Don't want to be around it. Sure. So um, that has been, that's when I see it is when I go back to Texas or to Missouri or somewhere and listen to a group of people talk. Yeah. Um, I'm just, wow. Uh, so it, I think has made me a better person. I do get frustrated often. Yeah. Um, but I, but it has it has definitely made me a better person. What makes me think of uh, Republican like me? That book that you you talked yeah. about years ago when we actually when we were first starting the podcast, and the general benefits of knowing lots of people who believe differently than you do yep. about anything. That's true. Okay, uh, what's the hardest part about working in ministry? Easiest, most fun. Uh, that's for both of us. Like you work in a church. Yeah. What's the hardest part of working in a church, and what's the best part? Um, I, I hype up my job a lot and it's, uh, not fake. The best part is my coworkers, uh, and the sense of mission, even with a quote unquote menial tasks or small tasks, uh, it all, uh, you know, I would say everything, every job you do, if you're living your life under Christ, then in your life is a living sacrifice. There's no such thing as a meaningless job, but, uh, here there's a, an easier to see link with, mm-hmm. between what I do and, and ministry. Um, the only downside is a, uh, more, a different oikos, an oikos that already 
you know, here's the same message every uh, that I do every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so when I think about, uh, I'm not. Our journey recently has been more and more into the sovereignty of God and and just complete, you know, um, handing over to that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say that I should, you know, think about getting a different job to have a more pagan oikos because yeah. I've been put yeah. here by yeah. God. Yeah. So uh, it's a weird kind of it's a weird thing to think about, but uh, I I do think about it. Yeah. How about you? Well, it's interesting. I could do an entire episode on regrets I have about how ministry affected my parenting hmm. and um, how church, church world um, is a really – it's a – to me, um, vocational ministry is the most dangerous place in the world for your personal spiritual life, and um, it can create really weird parenting scenarios. So uh, that's the hardest part. I think um, if you're a people pleaser, which I have been notoriously my whole life, sure, it can be a prison. Uh, the best part is you you watch people change before your very eyes. Another hard part for me is, um, you know, I'll sit in my office on Sunday mornings and the parking lot starts to fill up. Yeah, and I watch all these cars, you know, pulling in, and I'm thinking, you know, these people have exhausting lives. Some of them are hanging by a thread. Some of them are just hoping that God's going to speak to them today. Yeah. And what stands between their dreams and that reality is me. <laughs> and so sometimes I just get freaked out by the pressure of that. Sure. Um, by people giving too much weight to what I might say, even when I'm not preaching. Yeah. Um, so those are those are. When I when I think like that or I hear people talking like that, it, I I think immediately of your testimony, which is funny. Um. Because the guy that was oh, speaking. Oh, he was a nut job. Yes, yeah, absolutely nut job. Yeah. So it's, it's uh Yeah, God the, can do whatever he wants. Right. But obviously <laughs> with, you know, with how we, it's still, it still matters. So it, so it, it, it is not weird to me that you would think that way so yeah. at certain times. But What's yeah. your favorite board game? Oh, man, I don't have one. You don't have one? I'm not great. If you, one thing, so this is the lamest thing about me. One of the lamest things about me is I don't like board games. I feel like a Scrooge every time it gets you brought are. up. I am. I love card games. So my favorite, if this is hearts, is hearts. Yeah, the game of hearts, four player, fantastic game. It's a blast. I'll play hearts any day of the week. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I like this game. Um, we're not really strangers. It's not a board game, but okay. I like it. And I like a game I just got exposed to because one of the seniors brought it. And it's uh, like apples to apples, but it's about employment, and it's really fun. <laughs> it's about employment. Yeah, like you you get these cards, and you use your cards to. Uh, you get to, you use three of your cards to campaign interview for a job and convince them with these three cards Whoa. why you should get that job. And it's really funny and a lot of fun. That sounds like a blast. Um, if you could live anywhere on planet Earth, where do you live? I'm stoked to be where I am. Uh, probably, I say this now, uh, Juneau, Alaska. But uh, I, be- I keep my eye on the weather app on places all over the country. Yeah. Yeah, some, some places are all over the planet. But... Uh, and Juno in the winter is harsh. Yeah, it is. Get a lot, a lot of snow. Um, so now that I enjoy summers more and more, the older I get, I don't know about that. But it was Juno. Um, place is incredibly beautiful. You want to talk about natural beauty? Mm. My word, it is nuts. And it's a great, it's a cool city. They got cool coffee shops. Yeah, yeah, I love the place. I can't stand California as a as a state. Sure, but I would live in Carlsbad, California. Where's Carlsbad? It is on the water between San Diego and L.A., and it is absolute paradise. Dang, what's a house? I would have to live. Well, I would have to live 
between I five and the uh, and the and the ocean. Sure, I don't want to live on the desert side. Uh, oh, mega, mega, yeah, but mega, this is, mega, mega. This is a fantasy. This is. Oh yeah, you're just yeah. saying if you could live anywhere. Yeah. All right. Uh, what has kept you in the tradition you're currently in? Uh, faith tradition. Faith tradition. Um, I. <laughs> uh, not much. It's. <laughs> The literal translation of uh, of Bruce Lee's uh, martial art that he made, Jeet Kune Do, is called the way of no way. It is the way of, you know, no, it's the discipline of no formal discipline. Interesting. And so at my worst, you know, this, at, at my worst. You are the way of no way. I have, the, I follow the way of no way. The ignorant way to put it is, I follow the Christianity of the Bible, man. <laughs> you know, what Christianity do you follow? That's the total arrogant, you yeah, know, yeah. way to put that. So I don't view it that way. I view it more as ignorant. It's more of I don't know traditions well enough to really say what I am, what I am. So I go to an AG church and I have no qualms. There are AG tenants that I don't personally believe, but right. they're not egregious enough for me to to staunchly say I'm not a not a somebody God guy. Yeah, you know, um, I think that um, that that I that I I would agree with you that I like the way of no way. Yeah. Um, I am not a faith traditions guy. Yeah. Unless, you know, if you mean Pentecostal or charismatic or fundamentalist or Catholic or reformed, reformed, um, I truly don't give a rip about any of that. Mm -hmm. And I just want to know what the Bible says. So I actually read all of those guys. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to studying passages, I, I commentaries, I read all those guys. I listen to preaching from all those guys. Uh, so I don't, uh, I don't. I'm not hung up on a faith tradition and believe that that's going the way of the dinosaur for lots of people. Sure. It just doesn't matter. Um, I really do value people who have a all in on a faith tradition. One of our listeners we're big fans of, and he's Catholic. And I love talking to him about how he understands his faith tradition and his, his deep rootedness in it. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, I clearly don't feel that way about my faith tradition, but I do feel that way about the scriptures. And I attach myself to the church of the book of Acts. You know, that's who I feel like I'm a part of. So, yeah. Um, so we're not, we're not uh, deep enough thinkers to have. <laughs> clearly. Uh, <laughs> or not well read enough. Yeah, that's probably it. What's your favorite part of the Tuesday morning discipleship group that we're a part of? Uh. My least favorite part, I'll tell you first, is waking up at six. Well, no, waking up at five on uh, on Tuesday morning. You don't get up at five. I I set my alarms for five. I set four alarms because this is, I have to just like slap my body awake. Four alarms. I do uh, uh, five, 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 ten, five, fifteen. Uh, yeah, that's all. So at five fifteen, you're up. Yeah. Well, on a good day, I'm up at five oh five, and then I turn off the rest. But sometimes it takes me all four. Uh, best part, I should I should start on the best. I was just being funny. <laughs> uh, best part is the. Uh, it, what, tell me the the slogan. It's it's discipline. It is outcome focused, right? Habit fueled, mm-hmm. content flavored. And so in the beginning, you said that the discipline can't be the outcome. That's you, right. Unfortunately for me, the discipline is basically the outcome. It's, it's really it is. Well, the discipline not so a, a lesson that we we drill into ourselves with this whole thing is that discipline is not the virtue. Right. That, that your discipline is not anything. The other, fact that you read the Bible for an hour is not a virtuous thing. No. The, your, your closeness with God is, and mm-hmm. so they directly correlate. So what I what I get out of this, and uh, and what I seek out of this is uh, um, 
structure for the disciplines. Right. So I, I don't. I thought this would happen where I might have issues slipping into this discipline as virtue thing, where mm-hmm. I would start to kind of lift myself up because of it. Yeah. Um, and that hasn't happened. So, uh, uh, but I, I have found, like I talked about, I think last week, very, very quick changes when I, when I slip on them, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's, it's pretty noticeable. So, yeah. uh, that's what I love about this the most. And then the actual group on Tuesdays are, uh, are incredible. It's, it's been great where, um, everyone there is riding the same high you're riding, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's, it's special. It really is special. My favorite part is uh, the alignment, the abiding in Jesus that I've learned and uh, experienced for these now 20 weeks or however many it's been a lot of weeks. Um, And I love uh, being with a group of people who don't miss. I mean, the attendance is remarkably consistent. Sure. And because it's such value gained and all-in investment. So I love that part. Let's, uh, Let's take a... Break here, John, and hear your um, hear your show and tell, and then we're going to forego a commercial today. Sure. Let's do the show and tell, and then we've got about three questions left. Okay, uh, I figured I'd go since we're nearing the end. I'd go old school <laughs> and bring have an actual show and tell item. Okay, haven't done this in who knows how long. Um, but uh, this is no you, no jazz musician. You want to tell us about no no no, no blues. <laughs> Here, I would. I feel. Uh, I feel ripped off. I figured I've, I've had enough of this. You this actually what's have. happening. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I figured I'd go a different yeah. a different direction. Yeah. If you walk into my office, uh, you'll see home office. Home office. You'll see uh, a lot of things that go in the same category, and one of these things is not like the other. So you'll see lots of uh, uh, pop culture related things, tchotchkes, you know, Star Wars, uh, uh, Batman. And among them, you'll see a little yellow porcelain dollar store duck with a bow tie on. Mm. And it looks like something your grandma would give you when you're <laughs> seven years old or 20. Yeah. And uh, maybe there's like a dollar stuffed inside or something. But this is what they gave everybody on the uh, floor of uh, the ducks at Northwest, oh. my dorm. And who's they that gave it? Uh, the RA and the and the uh, the non-official assistant RA. Okay. Uh, the Ducks, uh, 500, I forget the name of the building, but the but it was the 500 Ducks. Yeah. And uh, they are the only, uh, well, they're the oldest uh, uh, floor name in the whole school. Mm. So every other name, you know, uh, when Has we were there. Has changed over time they've changed or whatever. Yeah. Most, often every single year. Yeah. Ducks have been there. You know George Bergen? Oh, yeah. He was a duck. Really? It's been there for well, a while. That explains a lot. Yeah. So the Ducks are, it was really cool. Uh, they... On the negative side, like a year or two before I got there, they had this big thing about hazing. They're like, hey, ducks, your traditions are called hazing and you can't do them anymore. Oh, I see. So a lot of the actual, the duck traditions, quote unquote, uh, I didn't get to see. Uh, But there's a lot of secrecy about them. There's like some initiation rituals and stuff. And uh, it was all a a riot to be a sophomore in college on the ducks. But I met some of my best friends uh, and it was a crazy time. So I hold on to this. I downsized when we moved a little bit of my tchotchkes. Just because I basically kept the only, the only the ones with sentimental value. Yeah, I would and call those dolls. Yeah, would yeah, you? Yeah. I think <laughs> <laughs> or some. There's a couple of action figures. There's uh, there's bobbleheads primarily. There's a couple of bobbleheads. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like so, the one that I would call an action figure is he's he's laying down right there. Oh yeah, he and fell. Yeah. Mom gave me that one. It was the it was one of the weirdest gifts I've ever received from from either of my parents. She came home from uh, <laughs> nothing. She came home from from an, on a normal day, yeah, and had saw this Batman figure, 
in the store. And I'm at this point, I'm like 17. Yeah. And she just gives me this Batman figure. <laughs> and uh, I don't know she why. She gets you. I'm very attached to it. Yeah, she uh, gets you. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's my little. That's uh, awesome. I had, you duck know, duck. That, I would not have known what that thing was. It's very curious, you know. Yeah. So that's a great story. Yeah. Okay. We got a couple questions left. Um, best advice, John. This is a question to me. What was best advice I would give my 30, 40, 50 year old self? That's too oh, much. Wow. Let me just ask you, John, what's the best advice you would give your 16-year-old self? Oh, 16. It would probably be to to kickstart this actual real relationship with God a lot sooner. Mm. It's tough because the it didn't happen for a reason. And the reason it didn't happen is because it's, it's hard, and to speak for myself, it's hard to make myself do almost anything. But, you know, just... just not naturally, you mm-hmm. know, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to make myself work out, read more, you know, often uh, throughout my life, it's felt often that I'm just at the whims of whatever. Yeah. And then in times of great success, when my grades would turn around or I would, uh, uh, exercise regularly, it would come like, uh, like, uh, you found a dollar on the street. Like, it's like, Oh, I just found discipline for a couple months and then it went away the same as I found it. Right. So that's not the truth. The truth is that I'm ignorant to what happened there. Um, so that's how it's been for a lot of my life. So, uh, even with this group and honestly, the podcast has been huge with this, which is discussing things mm-hmm. more and having, forcing myself to think on things more and to actually engage And Northwest was huge going, taking classes on right. scripture, you know, my, my, my worst brag, what I can brag about most as far as how ignorant and silly and ridiculous I am is that I did not know what the synoptic gospels were when I got to Northwest. Mm. I didn't know that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John told the same story. That's how little my biblical literacy was when I was 19 years old. Wow. So it's terrible. Well, and see discussion on regrets I have as a dad. Well, you can't, you can't just I could hit have me in the head I with a book. I could have indoctrinated you. I could have had these conversations. You could have. Uh, so, yeah, man, shame on me. Well, point being that if I had initiative when I was 16, yeah. I could have spared myself a lot of wasted time. Yeah. So that's probably what I'd tell them. Just quit goofing around with it. So my, my advice I would give my 30-year-old self, and I wish somebody had told me this, uh, do not lose one ounce of energy concerning yourself with the opinions of someone to whom you would not go for counsel. Mm. That would have saved me so much wasted heartburn energy. Sure. Um, I don't know why I would get so wrapped around the axle on the opinions of someone who I did not think was worthy to get advice from. Right. So clearly you don't care what they have to say in one direction, but you and do yet, care what they and say. And yet I'm obsessing over it. Yeah. So just uh, I wish someone had, had told me that. Um, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing. I think at um, I, I think the other piece of advice I would give my pick, pick it 30 or 40-year-old self, because I did learn this in my 40s, is uh, pursue the freedom of self-forgetfulness. Uh, life entirely becomes more fun when you are not obsessed with yourself. Mm. And, um, and that happens to be a Tim Keller book, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. Sure. And uh, the concept grabbed me right away. And even as we've gone through this discipleship journey, the thing I kept keep learning over and over and over again is uh, crucifying my self-love, crucifying my self-love. And when you do that, you start seeing uh, how often you have to do it. And you start noticing people who are so absorbed in their self-love, they can't see past it. And uh, among pastors, especially among pastors of sizable churches, 
it's a really discouraging reality. Sure. So uh, I, I, I wish I'd figured this out sooner. Yeah, that's great. Okay, uh, let's see. I, I'm going to broach a topic that we're not going to fully address. Um, <laughs> okay. But I, I keep having people ask me about this uh, topic, and I think there's a big rise on it. In fact, we did a staff chapel. We talked about this. Um, one of our pastors has had five occurrences of this uh, in the last five weeks. And um, several of our pastors have also had experiences of people asking about this. It is a very modern topic, and that is uh, the idea of demon activity, evil in the world, and spiritual warfare against Christians. And so uh, this concept, this conversation, I I really uh, wish we had done an episode on this because it it is a growing concern. And it's blurry with all the mental illness issues, anxiety issues, uh, depression issues. And then what what of that might be spiritual warfare and how does one engage uh, the enemy and how what can the enemy do to a Christian and how do we find life and success and power there? So um, you have any like bullet point rapid thoughts you have about this subject? No, other than I'm just incredibly ignorant about it. Um, I'm always, I err on caution with most things in my life. Right. And so this is one where there's a lot of, uh, cultural abuse of the topic. Um, but there's abuse of, you know, of healing, faith healings. And, uh, that doesn't stop me from believing those actually happen and mm-hmm. are actually miracles mm-hmm. of God. So it's not, uh, it's not a discrediting of the topic. I just have a knee jerk kind of, yeah. um, kind of caution about them. Uh, and next to no, um, uh, knowledge or experience about it. Well, let me give some bullet points that I think, uh, as we talked to the staff, and and we actually had, um, I don't know some. Well, let me just let me just give you some things that I've thought about, because I I similar to you, I think, um, I think Christians tend to one or two extremes. Either they see a devil behind every corner, mm-hmm. and oh, the devil took all the toilet paper out of the bathroom today. So <laughs> you know. Uh, or they don't ever see a devil, mm-hmm. and both of those are mistakes. So um, I think I think of it as the spiritual warfare above me, that there is a war in the heavens. Satan is cast down. Uh, there continues to be warfare among the angelic. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is spiritual warfare above me. There is warfare around me as the spirit of the age and uh, the prince of the air is at work around me. Sure. And then there's warfare within me. And so I find that it's most helpful for me to concern myself with the warfare within me. And um, so with that, the the most helpful thing is uh, taking every thought captive and forcing it to be obedient to Christ, casting down strongholds, imaginations, every pretension that exalts itself against God. So this warfare of the mind, I think most of it occurs there. And um, the other thing I would just add is just to recognize the incredible supernatural authority of the word of God, the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. Hmm. And so um, I would really hamp that up and I would finish our whole episode today with, with this. uh, I saw a Instagram uh, short video of Christine Kane saying this, and man, it really resonated with me that Christians have a hard time believing in the supernatural. Like, I don't have faith to believe that. Does God still heal? 
the you know our spiritual gifts for today um, they have trouble they have trouble believing in really supernatural activity from God sure. right now in this world yeah which is really odd because our entire belief system is built on the idea that a Jewish man died and rose from the dead three days later and now sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. Yeah. Our entire faith rests on the supernatural resurrection from the dead of Jesus and the 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 uh, efficacy of his shed blood to redeem all of mankind. I mean, I can believe that, but I can't believe that that God heals. I can't believe that that God speaks uh, right now, modernly, in our ears, yeah. to our hearts. It's really kind of ludicrous when you think of it that way. And so my encouragement would be, you serve a very powerful God who is at work. He is undefeated and undefeatable. And so walk in the authority of his grace and power um, and expect his supernatural engagement in your life. Yeah. And I would say, because I've, I've had, you know, more in the past, I've had a lot of, of struggles with that kind of thing or thoughts like that. Um, and I think the biggest wall for a lot of people, or for me at least, was that you don't see these things. So you have, even if you believe in the accuracy of scripture, you, you know, you look around, you've been around on earth for a while and you've never, never seen it. Like, that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. So, but one of the things, you know, one of my great takeaways from, from the beginning of us doing this, and even though we haven't really had a whole conversation just on this, but it's about, uh, basically the, um, the impermanence of the world that you have around you. Right. So like, if I, if I didn't hear about the Holocaust until this, until like this week, I'd go that there's no way, there's no way that happened. You know, there's, that's insane. Yeah. That's, that's too crazy. That human beings would do that, that a whole nation would do that on that big a scale. Right. And that was less than a century ago. That's mm-hmm. as far as the breadth of even just human history. Mm-hmm. That's a blink. We're, we're in that era still. Right. So many things happening all around the world are things that I would say, because based on my own life and the things I've seen, there's no way, you know, that's impossible. Even things, you know, like, uh, uh, any impending, you know, kind of war or disruption, that that's where my operating philosophy of things will happen less dramatically than you think they will. So like flying airplanes into towers. Exactly. Kind of yeah. Yeah, exactly. So in general, my my uh, one of my large lessons in this kind of era of my life has been to trust trust what I see less as far as uh, regarding like the rule book of my life, how I think the world works. Mm-hmm. I put what I know from my own eyes and ears pretty low. So at least at the very least directly beneath, you know, what I believe about how God works. Yeah. So, uh, it's a detachment from my own understanding on a, on a pretty substantial level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, man, we just want to thank you for submitting questions and giving us a chance to yak our guts out. Um, we really appreciate our listeners. We appreciate you. And uh, we got one episode left. Next week will be episode 147. And uh, we hope you'll join us for it. Um, you can email us at info at jimandjohn.com. Mm-hmm. No H in the John. No H in the John. And we're going to keep our website current. So um, I'll occasionally drop some blogs in there. Um, but that's uh, jimandjohn.com. You're welcome to visit there. Um, what else, John? Instagram? Instagram at Jim and John. And uh, yeah, we'll probably throw in 
even just social just photos or, or we might make posts there whenever a blog is up so people know that mm-hmm. way you don't have to just keep checking the website yeah that's you know? true and also uh, just a little shameless plug here i'm going to start doing on my own instagram account i'm going to start doing some instagram little uh, uh stories throughout the day and so um that is jim lad one is my instagram so uh, join there if you'd like and uh we're also going to be doing at the evergreen uh, Instagram page. We're going to be doing Thursday night, eight thirty p.m. Instagram live, um, starting this week. And so you can jump on there Thursday nights at eight thirty, and have a little live chat. It's going to be fun. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. We will talk to you next week for our final for now episode. Yep. Have a great day.